0: Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into a special bonus edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. Today, I'm joined by Knicks beat reporter Chris Percianen to talk about what the legacy will ultimately be of the OGN and OB trade and answer one big question. Are the New York Knicks finally ready to go all in?
1: You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast
0: Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because we're now available on all platforms. So if you want to become an everyday and say our smiling face all seven days of the week, if that doesn't drive you insane, be sure to subscribe on YouTube and hit that notifications bell so you never miss an episode. And then be sure to do the same on your audio podcast platform of choice. And then please head over to Apple and give us a five star rating and review on the podcast size. But who's chilling for subs and reviews? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite. Play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. Today, I'm joined by Knicks reporter, Chris Percyinen, where we talk about the legacy. I know it's a little bit early, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. The legacy of the OG Ananobi Emanuel quickly, R.J. Barrett trade, and then we get into uh, just how aggressive The New York Knicks are going to be going forward in terms of pursuing upgrades. An important caveat on this podcast, we did record it on Thursday. So it was in the midst of the Knicks five-game winning streak and that euphoria before the loss to Dallas Mavericks and before that anything happens um, in tonight's game as I record this on Saturday. Just wanted to get that note in, um, but for now, let's get into things with Chris. All right, guys, as promised, we are lucky enough to be joined by Chris Percy Perciainen, who uh, covers the Knicks as a credentialed reporter for WFUV Sports. Chris, we, we were talking free show, long time in the making, first time meeting each other, first time on camera, super, super cool. Welcome to the show, and uh, I'll, 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 I'll give an abbreviated version of it. Congratulations on all your success. I'm excited to talk about it with you. There's a lot of, a lot of cool things happening for you, and a lot of cool coverage of the Knicks from you because of it.
1: Thank you so much, man. Gavin, it's a pleasure to be on the show. It's a pleasure to like meet you screen to screen. Uh, we've interacted <laughs> plenty of times was, yeah. ever since COVID. This counts as meeting someone, I think. But, um, you know, we've interacted over the years and and I love your guys's show. Uh, and I, you know, I talked to Alex about it, like what you guys do. And you guys just always have your finger on the pulse and you're really good. So I'm really glad to be here on the show. And then I'm honored to be on.
0: Oh Well, thank you so much. Um. I, I want to talk to you about something uh, you wrote. It was it was a, a, a guest piece um, for Nick's Film School. It was uh, called Post. Uh, well, I'm sorry. That was the headline of the entire thing. Um, your article was called Bending and Breaking. And it was I, a perspective I really appreciated. On the OG and Anobi trade, because it was focused on Emmanuel quickly and the Knicks handling and at times you could argue mishandling of him. And and to me, it always it always sort of reads as, as kind of a, a Greek tragedy. I don't know. I might be I might be mixing my my literary stuff, but um, it, it's some kind of tragedy for sure. In the sense that I think Emmanuel quickly is a great player. I think he's he's going to end up being a, a multi-time All Star or at least a single time all-star with multi-time all-star attributes before his career is said and done. Um, A a net rating God. And I think that will continue throughout his career. And yet the fit on the Knicks was questionable. And he had a coach who I I don't even think it was that big of a question forever. It was more of an inevitability that he just didn't really fit next to Jalen Brunson, despite a whole bunch of numbers that screamed, Otherwise, whether um, that's ultimately the right decision and whether that success would have translated to the playoffs could be debated forever. But even with all the success the Knicks have had, like that's still sort of been on my mind. And I hadn't really seen the article that summed those feelings up. And and this was it. So I, I guess we could start here. Like, what, what was your impetus behind like writing it and wanted to take that approach on, on tackling the trade?
1: Um, I went up to Syracuse to see my girlfriend because I'm in college and it's winter mm. break. She lives up in Syracuse. And when I got there, she had gotten me a book called uh, The Only One Left by Riley True. Sager. And it's very much a 20 year old girl in college book. That's like a murder mystery type of book. Um, but the writing was fantastic awful like it was not I didn't think it was a well-written book but I was so in like in in the plot mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like what if I kind of took this murder mystery style of writing and applied it to what's going on with the Knicks right now and I kind of used that away you know it's no longer a scoop because quickly confirmed it in his players Tribune article but the fact that he was never really supposed to play yeah. in his rookie season despite being a first-round pick he was just not meant to be in the rotation. Austin Rivers was never an extra guard. He was the backup to uh, quickly took that role from him. And that's why Rivers was unceremoniously dumped just, you know, weeks later. Um, but I was like, what if I barely, you know, I had known that for about a year. And it's like, what if I made that like the murder mystery? What if that was the big reveal? And I kind of built up this piece where I didn't, I definitely didn't want it to come off as anti Thibodeau. Um, and so I made lots of allusions and references to his like vast and storied success um but everything good comes at a cost um and and i i just wanted to write about that cost uh write about the fact that emmanuel quickly is going to be really really great and the new york knicks are going to be really really great but they're going to have to do it separately and fans of both are going to have to deal with that Um, And I just that, you know, so shout out to my girlfriend for that murder mystery book, because it really inspired me. I was driving back from Syracuse with her and I wrote that whole article on the notes app in my phone. Mm. Um, And then I sent it to my friend Conrad, who edited it. uh, And that's how it got to where it was in Nick's film school. It was something I was really proud of because I, I, I thought it was not an opinion piece. Like I thought it was just journalistic and that was a muscle I had never really exercised before. So I, you know, forget flexed. Like I, that's like SpongeBob doing like the little, the little tiny curl, like, you know, like, it's just like, I got like a, this big of a muscle and yeah. I was just trying to grow it a little bit. Um, I, I had writing beat out of me to a pulp uh, when I wrote over 105 articles in less than seven months when I was with Sports Illustrated. And so since then, I only really write when something speaks to me, when the Knicks were eliminated by the Atlanta Hawks and I was there in Madison square garden and it was dead silent. I mean, I was there after game two Yeah. parade in the streets for one playoff win. And after game five, the halls of MSG were, I mean, you could hear, you could hear a daily burger fry drop on the ground. And it was like, I gotta write about this emotion. This, this, this building is containing so much hope and so much sadness at once. That got me to write. Emmanuel Quickly's tenure with the Knicks, that got me to write. So every once in a while, I get pulled out of uh my
0: ridiculous retirement at the age of 21. <laughs> I can uh deeply relate to this as someone who covered the Phoenix Suns in college and wrote- Oh, they were really good then, I yeah. bet. No, they were uh it was not fun uh the, my first year was the 48 win year where they missed the playoffs and that was that was far and away the peak of it but then Tyler last year, Uless I, I dude I did I can send you a video of me interviewing him it was great um but anyways uh, I say that to say um at like that's that's what I wrote a lot and I also retired because I I you, you gotta you gotta be made of different stuff to be right a writer. shout out to the Jonathan Macries and Fred Katz's of the world yes. um but um like at the time um they traded Isaiah Thomas who was clearly like a really really good player who just did not fit on the team because they had three point guards and Thomas was the guy that chose to give up on. And of course, Isaiah Thomas, like obviously now not necessarily working out for him, but at the time went on to be the best player on Eastern conference finals team, had a season where he averaged what, like 27, 28 points per game. Ridiculous. And like, I like honestly, until you just started talking, like I didn't even think of of making that comparison, but it feels kind of similar in that like a guy who like could have been a fit like under a really creative coach and a really creative front office and if you didn't have that it was just never going to work no matter what the numbers said and he could go on to be awesome and it could still work out better for the team now given where the Suns are now you could question that but for a time being it did ultimately work out because you built around the right pieces and to me like Emmanuel quickly was this incredible puzzle piece that was just a part of a different puzzle and, and that's how this story is going to go but I, from your perspective Chris like if we're looking like five years or even longer down the line. like What do you think the legacy of this trade ultimately is if Quickly does go on to have a great career? like Not to mention R.J. Barrett, who just had a 37-point night for the Toronto Raptors, but maybe things work out exceptionally well for the Knicks as well.
1: I think, well, first of all, I think R.J., a change of scenery was big for him. Um, I think that's going to wake him up in a way that I don't think he's gotten that kick in the butt before. I think he came to New York knowing he was going to get kicked in the butt for everything he did, and it got to a point where it, it almost like fell numb to him, like those kind of criticisms. Like he didn't care what the media said, which is how to be. He didn't care what the fans said, which is how to be. Um, but at a certain point, that way, like the the, the way in which he carried himself was perfect. Um, but everything I heard like behind the scenes about um you know players reaching out to him to work out with him and and not getting answers back and and things like that like th- the money's got to be where the mouth is on, on the work ethic and and I think that at the risk of like I don't mean to put him down in any way I just think there's nothing like national television waking you up and telling you like you need to go and put the work in and get get to the grindstone um, I always say like quarterbacks who had a terrible playoff game, like bet they're over touchdown passes next season. Like if they got thrown out of the playoffs in an awful performance, they're going to go that summer and grind and wake up. And I think this for RJ Barrett to him was more than just like, oh, it's a business. Like, I think he's going to wake up in Toronto. I think Nick fans will see it and be like, oh, we shouldn't have traded him. I don't know that he was ever going to be that version of himself in New York based on the pecking order of things and, and just he did get usage, but it was always he got good usage, but it was always as the third guy. It was always, you know, he never ever, even no matter how good of a game he was having, was going to be the first option in crunch time. And that's sometimes, you know, like, You go to the doctor and you're trying to make yourself as tall as possible and you're a little kid and you feel like they're pushing you down and they're really not but you just you feel like you could be taller if you didn't have something over your head like the doctor's hand and i think that was it for rj like i think he thinks he can be taller and i know he can be taller um but i think he saw the knicks and thibodeau as as someone trying to measure him and i i I think that that didn't wasn't working
0: all right, guys, we'll be back with Chris in just a sec to talk about why OG and Anobi is a corner piece in the Knicks long-term puzzle and just how aggressive the New York Knicks could get in the coming weeks and months. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our good buddies over at LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire on their own. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And oh man, did I get to experience that for myself when I was incredibly lucky to uh, see Jalen Brunson's 50 point game in person in Phoenix against the Suns. And that was all thanks to game time. I got to see my seats ahead of time. And and they were seats that I said, for the price, you know what? I'm a little bit unsure of. And then once I saw the view, it was like, oh, wow, these are amazing. This is a steal. And I got those incredible seats. And and what really locked me in was the game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time, will credit you 110% of the difference. So that means you literally can't go wrong with game time. There's no way you can go to game time and not end up paying the lowest possible. Price, and that's pretty incredible. So, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code LOCKEDON for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
1: Um, and and, you know, kind of the, the moment that made you think something's going to happen something has to break here is when rj subbed in for quickly in that that game where quickly was playing so well and rj comes in and thibodeau's explanation right the thunder game was and thibodeau's explanation was that well barrett's length is what they needed in the game because defensively that's what they needed you look at quickly and his six nine wingspan the numbers defensively like nothing suggests barrett's a better defender so rj did get chances that you know whether he whether he should have gotten them or not he got the opportunities they just weren't the opportunities he needed. And so I think Nick fans get caught in the storm of, oh, but we afforded him all these
0: chances. And- I mean, can we, Chris, sorry to interrupt you, but could we just say real quick, like Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, like in terms of two star players, like maybe two of the worst guys in the league to put around RJ Barrett and vice versa. And like, that's where this maybe works out for everyone. Randle and Barrett
1: just wasn't yeah yin and yang. It was North and I mean north. they do they do the same things and to south and south you know it was it was two different sizes of the same polarization magnet and one of them pulled harder than the other and has more gravity on the court and that's who the Knicks chose literally he's physically larger he's he's more skilled with the ball in his hands maybe because he's seven years older um, but all these are all things that the Knicks now are good enough to have to care about uh, and so that's champagne problems for the Knicks faithful as for the trade to actually answer your question uh barrett diatribe aside um and he was such a pleasure to cover by the way rj like he's gonna go on to have a great career i don't want to like i'm not saying anything against him but um as for the trade i think like in rush hour when you're playing rush hour and you move a car that you think like you don't you didn't really get Like that didn't win the game for you, but oh my God, did that move just open up like four cars getting out? Like forgot that that game
0: existed. And you just, you had a real nostalgia blast, childhood blast. Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) That's what this trade is going to be for the New York Knicks. In my opinion, I I came out pretty strongly and I was like, I think they got worse today. I think they got four times better in the future. They're showing me with, with Thibodeau's newfound flexibility. All of a sudden Barrett and quickly are off the roster and he's staggering Randall and Brunson, making sure one is on the court at all times. They're not worse today, so I was wrong about that because I didn't see that flexibility from Tom Thibodeau coming. I was wrong about that. What I what I will say I was right about was what this opens up for them in the future, which was uh, Ananobi is a puzzle piece that you look at, and he's like he's a corner in a puzzle. Like you can start with him, you know. You you set up your four corners: Randall, Brunson, Ananobi, Robinson. Maybe, maybe, maybe Hartenstein. Maybe you know. We'll yeah. see. Uh, we'll see how that plays out, but um anobi's a corner to a puzzle. Like he's not the final piece. He's never going to be you plug this guy in and everything is solved. But he is something that makes you think, "Oh, we've got something going here. Now we're ready to plug in that final puzzle piece." He's a corner in, in a puzzle. And and those are valuable pieces. I think he's about as good today as Emmanuel Quickly is. He's a little better because of his size. Um but how many guys are his size in the league that can do what he does? It's a very rare archetype and it's a very highly coveted one. It's a credit to the, the Leon Rose front office that um, th- th- the, the former regime's number three overall pick who was controversial that they chose to extend and their own 25th pick in the draft was enough a compensation for someone who teams were throwing like three first round picks at
0: the yeah, Raptors really, think, just, really yeah.
1: just wanted quickly. The Raptors really just wanted Emmanuel quickly that that was it for them. And you see Masai Ujiri on the phone with him. He's like, he's telling him like you and Scotty, man, like that's our future. That's how they see it. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't say RJ because I think that RJ is more of a transitional guy for them. The way I saw Julius Randall when the Knicks first signed him. Hey, this guy's going to come in. Someone's got to take the shots um, and he's going to help them get this thing off the ground. Um, I, I hope RJ gets to be part of a contending team one day and isn't doomed to helping teams get things off the ground and then getting moved off of once it's time but uh that because I'd love to see him play you know on a big the, the biggest stage in in yeah. in the later playoff rounds he's just got that game that's built for th- living through those moments and and staying cool you know but um I think the Raptors viewed quickly as the centerpiece of the trade I think they see it as the Emmanuel Quickly trade for the New York Knicks the legacy of the OG Ananobi trade is going to be this opened the floodgates. I've said, I've reported since 2020 with Sports Illustrated that the New York Knicks, when the time comes to be aggressive, are going to shock people with how aggressive they're going to get. Because this is a front office who knows once it's time to kick things into gear, you cannot waste time. And now R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly go out in the same deal after Nick yeah. fans arguing forever, which one's going to stay? Both got are they're, they're going to continue to surprise you with moves like that. Because they don't care. They are ruthless. They just want to win. Jalen Brunson said it. Um, I think it, it, he was being interviewed about the the loss to Miami in the playoffs for like a this season hype video. And he was like, we're a very focused group. All we care about is winning. And I think they really see it that way. I mean, look at quickly. He's writing in his Players Tribune article, you know, David Goggins, Chopwood, Carrie Water, all these, uh, all these um the biblical references and the, the who's going to carry the boats and, you know, things like that. Like that's how this team is. They just want to get the hell to work. Um, And I think this OG and trade is going to be what opened the floodgates for that aggressive version of the front office to start building this final stage of, of the Knicks. not final, like for the next four years, but final in terms of this team is supposed to make the Eastern conference finals. Not, it would be sick if we got out of round one or maybe even round two.
0: And OG gives them, and this is what you're getting at, but he gives them the room to do that in that you you have the efficiency of an Emmanuel quickly and, and and the accessible size of someone like R.J. Barrett, which means Tom Thibodeau is always willing to keep him on the court. And you can trade for any star and there's not like a star in this league. You say like, well, you can't really get him because he doesn't make sense next to O.G. and Anobi. O.G. and Anobi, the reason he's so valuable, and, and this is what you're getting out with the corner piece analogy, is he can play with literally anyone in any situation. And the Knicks, um, uh, defying my expectations because I thought they were probably going to... I don't know if I thought they were going to take a small step back. I think I probably thought they were going to be about the same in a different way, um, just because I, I thought the lack of creation was going to be a death knell for this team. And the incredible thing is it sort of has, right? They've had two different, like six, like I think it gets the Sixers, it was six minute stretch without a field goal. And then the other night they have a nine minute stretch um, without a field goal against the Portland Trailblazers of all teams. And that should kill you in an NBA where there's six teams set to break the all-time um, offensive net rating record, and yet it it doesn't because their defense is currently like six and a half points better. And this is this we're recording this on Thursday, so it's before Thursday night's game. But currently, six and a half points better than any team in the NBA's per hundred possessions, which is just a ridiculous margin um, since they've acquired. OG and Um, they lead the entire NBA in net rating since they've acquired OG with him on the floor. They have a plus forty-two point four net rating. Ridiculously, they are only four points um, better than their opponents offensively. Defensively, they are thirty-eight points better per hundred possessions um, than they normally would be when he's on the court. That is absurd, and I don't think that is totally sustainable. This is just such a big, ridiculous number that it doesn't really make sense. And I guess. Chris, looking forward, that's like if I'm Leon Rose, I'm doing rigorous self-assessment right now. And I'm saying, all right, we, we know we're going to need one more piece. And like is it, making a smaller trade, let's just say, for someone like Malcolm Brogdon, who you've reported that the Knicks have, have made some calls on, maybe have had a meeting on, um, are certainly interested in. Um, and how does that help this year's team? Does that meaningfully change the ceiling of this year's team? And how does that affect our ability to pursue the star Going forward, But I, I guess let's start smaller. Like, where do you think, like when Leon Rose does that self-assessment, where does he come out on this year's team in an Eastern Conference with the team as dominant as the Boston Celtics? Does he think it's worth it to give up an asset that he might not get back down the road and he might not be able to use in that trade for a star player for someone of a Malcolm Brogdon tier? All right, guys, that's it for this edition of Locked On Knicks. But if you're hyped for part two, don't despair. It's dropping in just a couple of hours. I'm going to put that out around two thirty Eastern time today. Uh, but until then, we'll talk to you very, very soon on Locked On Knicks.